Good morning. Good morning. Thank, uh, thank everybody for coming this morning that's here, and uh, I want to thank everybody who's watching online this morning. And uh, my name is Larry Adams. I'm the creative arts minister here at Southwest. Uh, Roger's out this week. Andrew is on sabbatical or finishing up his sabbatical, and Nathan's on vacation, so you're stuck with me. This is what you get. For those of you that are worried, uh, well, you should be. Uh, this morning, we're going to do things a little bit different. And I know um, when you hear me say a little bit different, you're probably going, oh, I'm scared. But uh, anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to do a mix of songs, scripture, and teaching. And uh, there's going to be a lot of singing this morning. Um, we, will share, we will share in a time of communion closer to the end of the hour. So um, our hope is that uh, you will feel freedom to participate and uh, sing along with us. Because the kids are going to be in here too, so you've got to compete with them. But uh, let's, uh, let's pray together as we get started this morning. Father, we come before you in this place and remember and observe your goodness through our time together and throughout the rest of the day, Lord. We pray that you will open our minds to what you have to teach us today through your word and song. God, keeping in mind that you have done faithfully through the centuries what you're doing now and what you will do. It's in your son's precious name. Amen. Okay, so this is one of the things that's a little bit different. I'm going to start talking now. So, um... On the topic of worship, we've been talking about this thing, worship, for the last few weeks. Um, one of the things that the church is called to do is to make articulate the praises of creation. Now, creation is praising God by simply being who God's called it to be. And we as humans are given the mind and the words to sum up and present, present that before God. So... It doesn't matter if I'm feeling it today or if I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. In fact, you know, I think I find more that uh, I, I feel his presence more when I am not worried about whether I'm feeling it or not. So we see things like this in the book of Habakkuk. And um, I'm going to read that scripture to you. It's Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. And it says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no, no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. There's a sense that you see in that, of God is worthy to be praised. And it's our duty as human beings to gather up the praises of creation and to, prevent, and to present them before his throne. Now, if we go back to Genesis 1, we find uh, the task of humans, one of the tasks of the humans is made, uh, God's, made in God's image to reflect uh, God into the world and to reflect the praises of creation back to God. You can kind of look at it as like an angled mirror, you know, God shining down and shining through, and then creation shining through the mirror and shining back up to the Lord. 
Now, the point is to take inanimate, apparently or inarticulate praise of creation and give it a voice. You see this in the Psalms. Uh, you, you read things like the trees, they're clapping their hands, the hills are celebrating, and the valleys are shouting for joy and singing. Now, when the psalmists are doing what they're doing, they're putting into articulate speech the fact that all creation is praising God. And you get this sequence in Revelation 4 where creation saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So let's take a look at uh, Revelation 4, 8. It says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within, and day and night, they did not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That is simply a representation of creation doing what it's supposed to do. And then humans say, or the 24 elders in this case, you are worthy to receive this praise because you created all things. And in Revelation 4, 10 and 11, we see the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. So we as humans, we add in that word because to what creation's already doing. So we are given a mind to understand that God is worthy. And instead of just doing this worship thing like the trees and the waterfalls and the mountains and so on, uh, we are given a task of thinking of what we would do, and then choosing to do it. So the choice is to sum up the praises of creation, and we make the choice when we come to church, we pray, or our devotional times, whatever we do. So the next thing we're going to do now is the band is going to do two songs. And uh, the first one is called Echo Holy. And it paints lyrically a picture of the scene in Revelation where the angels and all creation are praising God and singing, holy is the Lord. And then the second song is called Majestic, and it's straight out of Psalm 8, which we will hear read in just a few minutes. It gives us a clear picture of creation praising. So let's all stand together, and uh, we'll lift our voices in praise of our Heavenly Father. Well, I get the privilege of being here this morning and talking with you big people. I'm normally back with the little people. I'm the kids minister. Um, but I see some of my kiddos in here today. So we're going to review a little bit about what we've been talking about in our worship series back in Kidmen so that you guys can all know and experience what we've learned. Um, we did a series called Heartbeat because our heartbeat should and we were created to only be um, have a heart that was beating for God, and we were made to worship. So we had four weeks where we looked at a theme, 
and we got to learn a Hebrew word um, from the Bible about worship. So we're going to go through those real quick um, and share with you, um, because I think we all can learn, um, just like the kids. So the first lesson was, um, when I worship God, my heart overflows with praise. And so this week, um, like God normally does for me, is he gives me an object lesson from my life that I can teach from, that I'm learning from. Um, And that week, I did not feel like being at church, if I'm completely honest. I did not want to be here. I did not want to worship. It was a crummy, awful morning. Nothing awful really happened. I just was in an awful mood. And so I got to share with the kids that I didn't want to be there, but I was going to be obedient. God called me to be with other people that were worshiping him, and he calls me to worship him even when I don't feel like it. And so I also got to share with them that as I was worshiping and being obedient, my attitude changed, and that can do for each one of us. And so that was a pretty cool lesson um, because the, the Hebrew word we learned that week was yada which means to raise your hands. And it's more than just raising your hands because I know some of us do it, and I didn't know before doing this lesson that it's literally raising your hands like a young child to their parent, which is what we all are to God. He is our Father. And so when we are raising our hands, we're taking a minute to acknowledge that we need him. God, that morning especially, God, I just need you to hold me to love me. I need a safe place. And so as we yada, we're showing God that we need him and we want to spend time with him. So then the second lesson um, we worked with, when I worship God, I say yes to his invitation. And that Hebrew word was barak, and it means to kneel or to bow. And so for this week, we were looking at how worthy he is of our praise. He should be the king of our life, and we should bow down before him. And we talked about how in that position that we are completely submissive and we're vulnerable. He is able to do whatever he wants to us. And so when we barak, we are showing him that he's in charge. And then week three was when I shout God's praise, I amplify what is true about God. And that word was Shabbat, and it means to shout or to address in a loud tone. So it's not always that we are praising and worshiping from a quiet, somber place. Sometimes our worship needs to be loud and celebratory because God has done amazing things. Think about when you are watching your favorite sports team. When they do something amazing, are you like quietly clapping and, oh, that was wonderful. No, we're like hooting and hollering and shouting, and God deserves that sort of celebration too. And so we talked about that. And then the fourth week was when I praise God with music, I prepare for the battles of life. The word they learned was zamar, and it's to make music or to play a musical instrument. And so we don't have a lot of instruments available to us in Kidman, so this also means for us to play air guitar or air drums. So you can do that too in your worship. You don't always have to have an instrument in your hand to worship God. And then today, the culmination of our worship series we are all practicing is when I worship with a heart after God. He takes center stage. And so the word that I want to teach you today is called kafar. 
and it means to count and number, to remember. Because if we look at the Bible over and over and over again, people are forgetful. And if I'm being really honest, I'm really forgetful too, unless I write it down or put a reminder in my phone. We're the same way with what God has done in our life, and we need to be intentionally remembering what he's done because it shows us that he's faithful. So I'm going to call us to worship by reading Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So we just sang what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Author uh, David Peterson said, Acceptable worship does not start with human intuition or inventiveness, but with the action of God. Our worship, in order for it to be acceptable, came at a cost. And the Father gave the life of his only Son. Bringing us out of death into life required a price that no human could pay. The sin of this fallen world had to be dealt with. That's only at the center of this true worship stands a wonderful cross. The cross on which the Son of God died. So how can the cross be called wonderful? It isn't, a, isn't it a scene of shame? Isn't it a place of suffering? Well, the answer is yes. The Roman cross was a cruel and painful ending. It was a place where people hung for execution. Rusted nails, pierced flesh, and gasping for breath. The cross meant humiliation. It meant judgment. The cross was agony. A place where people hung until breathing and heartbeats ceased. Jesus experienced the most horrific death imaginable. There is nothing wonderful about how he died. What is wonderful about his cross is why he died. Something truly amazing happened that day that God offered ransom for the whole world. Jesus became sin and shame, suffering and dying for you and me. It may appear at a glance that Jesus was set up and taken by force to die among common criminals, but that was not what happened. No one took Jesus's life. Luke 23 says, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He laid down his life willingly, satisfying the wrath of a holy God. He chose the cross in order to demonstrate that God was both loving and just. 
He gave his life so that we could receive ours back again. Men may have driven the nails into his hands and his feet, but he died because God was sacrificing his only son. The cross was God's idea, God's plan for redemption. The cross was the way that the door would be opened for us. The cross was the only way that a fallen and sinful people could ever truly worship again. Yes, it was a bloodstained cross, but it was a wonderful cross. In fact, it was the most beautiful cross. That cross of Christ is a cross of healing, a place of unconditional love, a place of sweet embrace. From his cross rings the song of salvation, declaring to all the redemption has come. From it flows forgiveness. The cross of Christ is a place of peace, a place where true worship begins. In fact, Jesus was dying. Worship was near. In Matthew 27, we see that uh, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Do you remember that story? The Roman centurion was standing there doing his job. Jesus just breathed his last breath. And as Jesus died, the heavens rumbled and darkened, and the earth shook with awe. All creation shuddered at the sight. Then, witnessing the greatest act of mercy in history has ever known, the Roman soldier who with his companions, who had stripped him, beat him, mocked him, and crucified Jesus, was compelled to proclaim, truly, this man is the Son of God. It's amazing. This supposed enemy of Christ was the first of many to have eyes opened to God's redemption story. Now, here at Southwest, we, we pause weekly to celebrate the risen Christ and to remember his sacrifice. As we take communion together, I'm going to pray, and then um, I'm going to read some scripture as you guys continue. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this special time, a time when we come before you and closely examine ourselves. And in doing so, we eat the bread and drink of the cup. We thank you because you know that we are unworthy of this, yet you love us enough to allow us to take of the bread and the cup, the bread that represents your body, and to drink the cup that represents your blood. Amen. And he took the bread, and when he took it and gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my body. 